You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Welcome to Strange Familiars. I'm your host, Timothy Renner, and this might be a big reveal, but <laughs> with me is my wife, Allison. Because you couldn't get anybody else to get locked up with you for <laughs> weeks on end. <laughs> we are indeed married. I guess there's been some debate about that here and there. I mean, I think we are. Yeah, really, right? We're like sort of like a... Hippie wedding? I was going to say... Um, Dubious officiant. <laughs> <laughs> if you have seen something strange, something paranormal, a cryptid like Bigfoot, a ghost, a UFO, if you have a story of something paranormal you'd like to share with us, or if you know of a story you think we should cover, you can email us strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com. You know, at this point, just seeing someone in a restaurant is kind of a cryptid kind of <laughs> Yeah, what day is this of the sequester? I, um, honestly, I, I mean, it's almost midnight, so we're close to being day 16. 
You could tell me it was day four or, <laughs> or day 25. I'm, yeah. yeah. It's about the same. No, not about the same. It's exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> I, I find instead of telling time by days of the week, I tell it by what the weather's like. Mm. Oh, it's a rainy day. Oh, it's a sunny day. Because sunny days mean you could at least step outside for a little while. Get outside and walk. Speaking of which, we got an upcoming episode kind of based on that stepping outside and walking and about finding the weirdness around you, which I think is very timely. Mm-hmm. So that's something that people can look forward to. I'm going to call that a how-to guide to psychogeography. Very cool. <laughs> I thought you were calling it Force the Hand of Chance. Well, the subtitle is How-to oh, Guide. Gotcha. It's Force the Hand of Chance, a how-to guide to psychogeography. Nice. So that's coming up probably later this week. That'll probably be Thursday's show. We're trying to do. A couple shows a week during the sequester, give everybody extra content, and it helps keep our minds on something too. It mm-hmm. Gives us something to do, keeps us active. I think Josh and I are done. Where the footprints end, volume one. I think I just sent him the last batch of corrections and tweaks. So, depending on what the production schedule is like for that, we should have a new book out soon. Woohoo! And of course, Josh and I will certainly be talking about that. On Strange Familiars and probably every other podcast that'll have us. (laughs) We'll be doing the virtual tour of podcasts as well. So tonight's show is Creeping Witches Part 2. It's not exactly a continuation of the first one, but like I said last time, I interviewed Eric on, I think it was a Monday night, and then I interviewed Josh, different Josh than Joshua Cutchin, who Mm -hmm. I'm writing the book from, another Josh. I interviewed Josh the night after And while their stories weren't the same, they hit a lot of similar notes. And I remember thinking at the time, wow. So weird that they're the the same time period. They came right in together. They both mentioned witches and and had these experiences when they were growing up, these weird things and so forth. So this is uh, part two, and this is Josh's story. Tonight we're talking with Josh, who has some really creepy stories from when he was a kid involving, sounds like multiple entities, including some witch-like things, which uh, kind of reminds me of some of my own experiences. How are you doing tonight, Josh? Oh, I'm doing awesome. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for getting to talk with me. Sure thing. Yeah, as, as much as you're comfortable, can you give us the area you don't have to get too specific if you don't want to it can be town city state you know however much you're comfortable oh sure yeah um so i i live in in the northeast and i've been in the northeast probably most of my life when we just start talking about my first experiences i guess yeah about how old were you when this happened And and about what year okay um so yeah this was so this happened in the 80s. Um, so I was, uh, I think I was five or six um, when I had this first experience. And this was actually the first kind of paranormal experiences that happened to me. And it's it's interesting because the reason why I wanted to talk with you um, about these experiences is because I heard on one of your podcasts, you were talking about these witch-like entities uh, from when you were a kid that had like this foreign language or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's same thing happened to me. I was probably five or six. My parents, I think, had just probably moved into this house, um, which was probably, I think it was like 30 years old at that time, which this was like the early 80s. And 
you know, we were just getting familiar with the house. And I, I, I know there was a lot of activity in the house at the time, a lot of negative activity that was, was happening um, with my, my parents and probably just, you know, like getting settled into the place, maybe, you know, for whatever reason, um, they were fighting a lot. So I, I do remember, you know, there was a lot of fighting going on at the time. But when I, you know, when I would try to sleep at night, I remember that there was, um, and it's, it's hard to explain, but I, I remember like somehow either in between sleep or when I was trying to go to sleep, there would be these entities in the room. And it started out uh, very vague. Like I kind of had a hint that there was something there. And as I um, continued to live in the house over maybe the course of a couple months, these things just kept reappearing. But the odd thing was um, I would forget about it in the morning, but kind of in the back of my head, I kind of remembered something negative going on. So probably after a couple months of being, you know, in the house with all the negative activity and everything, um, one night I remember I was sleeping and I could kind of feel, you know, like, oh, here we go again. There's this this thing that's happening. Mm -hmm. But this time I actually, you know, witnessed what was going on. And it was these these creatures somehow kind of came from uh, my wall. I was I was in a, a a bunk bed. I was on the top bed. And my brother was on the bottom, and we we had kind of a small room. Um, and they came from the corner of the room across from our bunk bed. And it was like they kind of like almost like just materialized into the room. And they were probably you know I would say maybe like six to eight inches big, kind of almost like blobs, like round, chubby kind of blobs. Um, but I call them witch goblins because at the time, you know, I, I don't know if it was maybe some shows that were happening or something like that, but I, I remember there was maybe a cartoon with like a witch in it that seemed similar. And, and that's the only way I could probably as a kid, like relate, you know, with, with what it was, but they, they were kind of like little short blobs that were, kind of like little witches, but more like goblin-esque, just like little like entities. And they were running around. It was probably like, I'd say maybe four, five or six, somewhere around there. It's hard. It's hard to remember. It's a little, little fuzzy, but there was like four or five or six of them running around the room. And it was almost like they were doing some kind of like a ritual or something like that. And this is the, the oddest part was that, there was like a, a tree either already there and I just had noticed it or it somehow like grew and, you know, they, they all gravitated towards it, but it was a short tree. Probably I would say maybe, I don't know, like three feet tall. And they kind of like did this ceremony around the tree and like kind of ran in and out of it. There was like holes in it and it like grew into the floor almost it was very bizarre, but the fuzziest part about this, and I'll try to remember as best I can, but I, I, I had noticed it. And the second that I had made, you know, like an observation of them, they all looked at me and it was like, they kind of like, they were, they all rushed towards me. And it was, and from what I'm remembering, they somehow either tried to attack me or came into my bed and were running around me. But I remember they were talking in a foreign language, which was extremely bizarre. And all I wanted, you know, I'm like five or six, um, you know, all I wanted at the time was 
uh, my parents and I'm trying to scream out for them. And, you know, these things are just, you know, they're, they're just terrifying. They, you know, like I, I literally, like it was the most terrifying experience I could remember as a kid. These things are running around to me, like either trying to pull my hair or like pull off my clothes. Not really sure, but it felt extremely like violating and demonic. And I, I remember, you know, fighting them to a point where they ran off the bed or wherever I was. Like I said, it's a little fuzzy at that point, but they, they ran away and went kind of down to where the floor is into the tree. And this tree, I should tell you more about the tree too. It was weird because it was like, it's actually very similar to like your eye, the logo you have. It's very, it's kind of bizarre. It's, it's a similar tree in that aspect as it has no, it had no leaves. It was kind of like a, um, and I kind of looked this up online too, like witches trees or things like that. Mm -hmm. It's kind of similar. Like it's a tree that, um, seems like it's short and stubby, thick, has branches all over the area, just kind of sprawled out, but no leaves. And they ran into the, like the, the base of the tree, and the tree dissolved into the floor, and everything was completely gone at that point. And I was able to fall asleep. And, you know, I vividly remember waking up the next day just completely terrified, told my parents. And, um, you know, they kind of just tried to hush me up and, you know, say, well, it's just a bad dream or something like that. But this was really the first start of some paranormal experiences in that house. Before we move on, yeah, uh, can I ask a few questions here? Oh yeah, absolutely. First of all, just out of curiosity, this isn't a quiz, but I'm just wondering if you have heard my recent episode that was entitled "Return of the Grays." Uh, I don't, th- I don't recall it. Um, okay, and I mean, it was a patron I, episode, so. Oh okay, yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not. Uh, a okay, yet. all right. And I'm going to ask you some questions, and I'll tell you why in a minute. <laughs> Sure, yeah. When you say they were, you got the impression they were doing some kind of ritual. Yeah. How fast were they moving? Oh, they were incredibly fast. It was bizarre. It was like it was in fast forward and they were just kind of like glitching almost. Um, Uh It was like, it was almost like I was watching it and like frames were cut out and, you know, like they were like almost laughing, Uh but but not really. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So were they sort of going around this tree? Yeah, they would walk around the tree and like a, um, it was like they had a specific, I can't tell you the pattern. They were going around the tree, but like, you know, like in a clock, like, um, on specific clocks, they'll have like, when it strikes a certain time, the characters will come out and they'll do a, like a certain motion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it, it was, it was very much like that. Like oh, wow. they would kind of like, almost like, it was like clockwork, no pun intended, but they they literally walk around this tree in a specific pattern, very glitchy-like. Do you remember if they were going clockwise or counterclockwise? Hmm, I don't. Uh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I don't. I mean, I, I would say clockwise, but I mean, I'm just kind of guessing at that point. Right, right. Yeah, so I had a recent, uh, um, I don't know, dream experience, whatever. I don't, at this point, it's all... Who knows? Yeah. Uh, uh, where so I have not had an experience with Grays in over a decade. Okay. And uh, recently did, and it was very unlike any other time in the past. Any time I'd witnessed them, they move very uh, mechanically and slow and deliberate. And 
these were moving super fast. And, oh, interesting. And cartoon-like almost. They were almost funny in the way they, they moved. Um, yeah. And I said to uh, Soraya from Where to the Road Good, I, I was talking to him about it, and I said they were they were like moving around. They were like moving around generally in a circle, generally counterclockwise. And he said to me, it sounds like they were doing a ritual. Wow. So the fact that you, 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 you know, you said all that, I'm just like, wow. Cause I'd never seen them move fast before. I'd never, and it, they were, like I said, it was very, almost cartoon-like, almost funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very, very strange. Do you remember if your entities were, were adorned with anything? Were they, were they wearing anything? Yeah, they were. So they had like, um, it was like almost, I would say cloaks, but, um, you know, it, it was more than that. It was, it was kind of like, like almost like a, like a shroud or something that was over them that was hanging. And they, they were, you know, like really chubby. Like it was, it's bizarre to me because their heads were so thick and their bodies were th- so thick. Um, so when you had like the shroud over them, it just kind of made them look like these, I don't know, like, can't even find a word to describe it, but the, the clothes were loose and hanging. Mm. If, if if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. The the ones I saw were adorned in very bizarrely, almost in like Native American ritual dance gear, like with feathers oh, okay. and chest plates and stuff. But the, all the feathers were, none of them were natural color. They were very bizarre. They were very like neon colored and stuff. They did nothing look natural. You know, wow. it was very, very strange. So not the same thing, but enough that you said when you're talking about it, I'm thinking, wow, that's really, really interesting. They certainly were kind of acting similarly. I don't, you know, again, I don't think it's the same thing. Um, yeah. Can you describe the appearance more of these things? Yeah. So, like, you know, like the um, Norwegian art for, like, the way trolls look with a yeah. really big nose. Yeah, yeah. So they look very much like that. Like, I have another story to share share with you, a very quick one about, um, like, a mud goblin that I saw. Mm-hmm. And they were similar to that. So they had like a, a, a really large nose, um, kind of smaller eyes with a smaller head. Um, and then, you know, their body was very round and almost like bell shaped. Um, so they had small arms and mm-hmm. their legs were rather, rather like um, wide. So I, I think if you looked at them from a distance, you know, they look like a bell shaped character, but they looked very much like the Norwegian trolls you know, that you see artwork for, you know, with the the big nose, uh, similar actually to in like the dark crystal, the good characters there with like the six arms. I can't think of their name, Yeah, but similar like that. So when they like climbed on your bed or or came near you or something, could you feel like the weight of them at all? Like on the bed? No, I could only feel them. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. I never thought about that. I, I couldn't feel the weight of them but I could feel them manipulating things around me. Like I could feel them, um, you know, like I could feel them walking on a blanket next to me, but I never actually felt them touch me. So I could feel them like trying to pull my clothes, but they never actually touched my skin. Mm-hmm. So like they were running around on the blankets around me, which I could feel the blankets kind of move, but I never actually felt them touch me. And I, and I, the whole time, you know, they're kind of like this, really like terrible dark laugh um the whole time and it and it was more of like 
I don't know if I could hear it or I could see them laughing. It was almost like things were maybe muted out. It's hard to say. Like sound wasn't present. I'm not, it's, it's hard to say, but I could definitely see them like laughing the whole time. And it was just very dark and, you know, like demonic, I guess would be a word to use, but it was darker than that. Do you think that the other things that you were, whatever feelings or, you know, that you had before previous to this that was in the room, do you think it was the same things that you, you just didn't see them manifest perhaps? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I felt the presence um, of whatever it was, and I became familiar with it enough, mm -hmm. but um, it never revealed itself, and it never acted out on me. So I never had um, a strong enough experience to recall any entity, just knowing that they were maybe in the room where they had done something. And did you ever see him again? No. Um, other than the, the mud goblins. So um, real quick, um, oh, yeah, I, re I remember... My brother and I used to, uh, you know, go catch frogs. We had a little river by our house and we'd go out, um, you know, on the weekends after school or after school and we'd catch frogs all the time. And one time I was by myself and it was the weekend and I was down by the river trying to catch frogs and I noticed there was a couple frogs. So I started collecting them and putting them in a jar. Um, we used to just collect them and, you know, set them free or whatever. It was just a kind of a fun thing. But I noticed looking up the river, um, there was kind of like an oily mud patch, probably just from, you know, some, some of the erosion from the side of the, the riverbank or whatever. And in the, in the mud patch, I noticed what looked like a head had arisen and it looked like one of these creatures, but it was different because, this didn't give me, you know, so much of a, like a, an evil kind of presence when I saw this. And I still remember it to this day, it, it felt more like the presence of like a rascal. That's all I could say. It's like something, you know, that like it had kind of a smile on its face and it, it was very much like the Norwegian trolls that, you know, you see in artwork, except all I saw was just its nose and its eyes. And I thought about it a million times. Like maybe I just saw, you know, like, a rock in such a strange way that it looked like a face. But then again, I remember specifically that its head had literally risen out of the mud to look at me and then just kind of went back down and that was it. And it was kind of like a quick smile. That was kind of it really for Fey encounters or whatever you want to call it, um, at yeah. this property. Did you, you know, it was, did you leave after that, after seeing that that day or did you spend more time by the river? Um, Oh, yeah, I just kind of hung out by the river just, you know, like, because I was so young, I, I didn't know what the heck it was, you know, and I didn't really, like, kind of sit there and think, like, oh, maybe I saw, like, a, a troll or a goblin or a fairy or anything like that. I was just like, oh, that was weird, you know, I'm just going to go back to catching frogs now. Right. And yeah, then, as, yeah, as a, a kid would, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think as an adult, given the same information, I'd be like, eh, maybe we not hang out by the river right now. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, it's so bizarre because um, I have kids and, you know, like I often ask them all the time, so what did you guys see when you guys were out playing there, you know, like outside, uh, you know, because I'm just curious, to, you know, like what their observations are, if, if they kind of had the same experience, you know, if they have kind of the same experience that I did when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. um, but thinking about it now, it's just so bizarre to me. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. yeah. And was it about the same size as the ones you saw in your room? Um, this one was, yeah, probably about the same size, similar, similar face, just um, kind of all in the mud other than its face. Um, but I could see its eyes. Its eyes were white, whereas these other ones, I don't recall maybe seeing their eyes 
Or I just don't remember it, I guess. Mm-hmm. How young again were you when you saw the, the ones in your bedroom? Um, I was like five or six, probably. Mm-hmm. And, and how did you deal with that going forward? Was that was was it a problem sleeping or anything? It room? was, yeah. So, um, you know, there was a lot of like looking back at the time now um, as an adult, I, I realized there was a lot of negative activity in the house, and I don't know if it was related to that. Um, my parents were going through a lot; they almost had a divorce. I was. I think starting out going to school, so it was a little stressful. Um, and I think one of my parents didn't have a job or lost one, so there was a lot of um, stress that didn't have a name to it, you know. Because I was a kid, I really didn't understand, you know, what was going on. They didn't talk to me about it, but I could feel that, you know, stress. So going on, you know, as I got older, um, probably like eight or nine, um, I had a similar experience. Well, I guess I had a paranormal experience. It wasn't similar, but in my bed, I remember this was kind of the start of like, I would call it demonic activity, but really, I don't know, you know, what that was. I mean, who's to say what demons really are? I don't, I don't know. I just, Mm -hmm. you know, I would call it demonic, but I, I was lying in my bed. I remember waking up and feeling this dark presence and I started kind of convulsing almost. And I remember almost being levitated. Now, I guess, you know, I've thought about this. Maybe that was, maybe that could have been some kind of an astral projection experience. Mm -hmm. But to me, it felt very dark and it felt like something was trying to uh, get a hold of me because I was becoming, you know, older. I was probably losing some of, you know, that childlike innocence. So maybe I was at a point where, you know, these spirits could probably try to take advantage of kids or, or whatever. I'm, I'm not really sure, but I had several experiences like that where there would be like almost like a, something was trying to take me or attack me in my bed. And I also remember at that time, too, I, as a child, I just felt very uh, dark and, you know, dealing with a lot of stress I, that probably didn't help. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Well, that's the, the mix, you know. It's, yeah, it's like there's always a mix that goes on. Yeah, and I've heard too. Uh, maybe it was through your show or other places that, like, as kids start to um, enter into puberty, like, there's a lot of spiritual things that happen. So I think, you know, it, it seems like that was kind of sort of around that time, maybe a little early, but still. Um, yeah, there's definitely certain times where things peak with this, you know, poltergeist activity, et cetera. But I, I think it's all related, you know? Yeah. Yeah. As far as it being real or not, you know, my current and, you know, I'll allow myself to change opinions, you know, by the day because no one really knows. My current theory is something is kind of happening out of body and hmm. it's real. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's very sure. real what, what's happening sure. to you, but it's, a, it's almost like an out of body experience which is no less terrifying, I don't think, if whatever these things are, are somehow able to either tell when we're maybe accidentally going out of body or pull us out of our body to have these experiences. Pretty creepy that they would either know when it's happening or, or be able to do that to us. So, you know, and again, it's just a theory. You know, maybe you were physically levitated. I don't know. But, you know, certainly that sensation of out of body may have been happening as well, too. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with what you're saying. Like, I, f- I hear a lot of people talking these days about, like, liminal states and things like that. And it definitely, like, I felt, you know, like I could be in, in between, you know, there or, or something was trying to 
get a hold of me or pull me out. Mm-hmm. And um, the the last in that house, the last experience that I do remember was and this was bizarre. I remember waking up in the middle of the night, and so behind our house we had maybe about two hundred feet, and then it was just woods, and it was woods for what seemed like ever. I mean, we lived out in the sticks, and I remember waking up at night and looking out the window and there was just all kinds of crazy lights in the woods. And, uh, I was terrified because I think I had known at that point, I, I wish I could remember how old I was, but I think I had known at that point about aliens. Cause I probably had seen, um, close encounters of the third kind at that time. So, you know, maybe, maybe it was a dream, but I really doubt it. I, I mean, I, I tend to doubt it because I remember physically getting up and looking out the window and there was just tons of lights, like something was above uh, the woods or something was in the woods and just had illuminated everything. And it was so bizarre to me because I literally looked at it and then went, huh, and then went back to sleep. And like, I've heard tons of times about people who like notice these strange things out their window and then they go back to sleep and it's like they almost forgot about it. Um, and the next day I asked my parents and they had no idea about anything, no fire in the woods or anything like that. So it was just very strange. Yeah. That always disturbs me. The going back to sleep thing, because there's no, nobody should be going back to sleep after this. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You'd want to get out and explore or look at it, you know, but just going back to sleep, it's just, that's just so weird to me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's almost like an automatic thing. Like, uh, right. time to go, time to go to sleep and then you're out. Right. Yeah. Right. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.
We will get back to Josh's story in just a minute, but I want to take this time to thank our patrons. Thank you so much, patrons. During normal times, the patrons keep us afloat. At this point, during these uncertain times... They're basically pushing your feet up so that you can be above water. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah it's, they're really keeping us afloat. So thank you so much, patrons. Thanks for all you do. Thank you for your support. If you like what we do, if you like Strange Familiars, and you want to get more content, the best way to support us and to get more content at the same time is to become a patron at Patreon. It's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. For $3 a month, our entry level, you get full extra episodes of Strange Familiars. There's over 50 of them out there now. We keep adding to them every month. We do at least one full episode a month for our patrons. Often we do more. There are other levels of support there for things like t-shirts and stickers, pins, and copies of my books and more. You can check it all out, patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. If you don't like the idea of a monthly subscription like Patreon and you still want to help, in the show notes at strangefamiliars.com, under every episode, is a paypal.me link where you can make a one-time payment. That helps a lot as well, of course. Everyone can help by sharing the show on social media, liking and subscribing whatever podcatcher you use, whether you're listening on Apple, Google, or Stitcher, wherever you listen, like, subscribe, and leave us those nice five-star reviews because that helps get the show in front of new potential listeners. And now we'll hear the rest of Josh's story. And there was more experiences, but some of them are so fuzzy that I don't want to talk about them just because it could be dreams or it could be something else. But it was, you know, it, it was a very dark and eerie childhood that, you know, I, I didn't really have like a great upbringing. So there was a lot of stress, like I said. But mm-hmm. as I, you know, became a teenager, I became very much interested in the paranormal and um, very much interested in religion and philosophy and things like that. So I remember picking up this book um, at a Barnes and Noble. And uh, I don't even know if they're still around now, but um, I, I remember at the time it was a Barnes and Noble. I picked up this book and it was all about astral projection. And I think I was like 17 or 18. And so that was kind of like, I've only had a few astral projection experiences, but I picked up this book, went home, um, read like the first 30 pages of it. And then was like, all right, I'm going to try this. And literally like the first time I ever tried, I kid you not, like I, I lie down in bed and I forgot which uh, method I tried, but I literally astral projected that night out of you know my bed and I literally walked through my room out through the wall and then looked out over, I think it was my friend's car. I think I was living with my friend at the time and I was, I was literally standing over his car and I was like, this is just the craziest experience in the world. And then as soon as I think, you know, I, I got scared, I immediately got pulled back in. And shortly after that is when I decided to take up like a monastic lifestyle. So I ended up, Uh, becoming friends with a lady who had just really taken interest in, you know, like trying to help me out because at the time I was in a rough situation where I was trying to find a place to stay. I didn't really have 
you know, I was kind of a rough kid at that point. I did, a, you know, a couple of things that got me in trouble. So she was trying to get me on the right path. So she had invited me uh, into her house and, you know, out of, she was a Christian and she had, you know, shown me love. And right around that time is when I kind of had done almost like a 180 and decided to go uh, full in towards like a religious path, mm-hmm. um, towards like the Christian tradition and, um, lived a monastic lifestyle with church for about three years. So I lived on their property as kind of like, a, almost like an anchor of the church, I guess, for Catholicism. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, decided to just, I was pretty much going to be a monk, but I lived like a monk, I guess you could say. And, you know, studied um, with the church and was learning to be um, a minister. And during that time, I went onto the roof every night to pray. And uh, one night I was out there praying and I literally, I think had just finished a prayer and was just looking up and enjoying, you know, just being really thankful for, you know, where I was at in my life. And this is when like, I noticed this, it's just so weird to even talk about this, but I looked at the stars and I noticed that there was like a triangle shaped black mass passing over the stars i was like well what is this this is really bizarre and i was in a pretty good sized city so i mean there wasn't a lot of starlight but there was enough and this i would say this mass was probably maybe like 300 feet above me just kind of guessing at that point Mm -hmm. but i literally it, it was kind of like I don't know which Star Wars film it was, but they show like the the giant destroyer ship there. I can't think of what it's called. I'm not a Star Wars fan. I apologize, but <laughs> but it was like a, a giant a giant ship, you know, it, it, in the beginning, just kind of cruising along. Well, that's the kind of experience I had. It was like this black mass just moving along the sky right above me in a big triangle shape, and all the stars behind it were just disappearing. And I have no idea to this day what it was, but that was probably, if I ever had a UFO experience, that would have been it. It was so bizarre. I think that would qualify, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and then no, no noise or anything like that at all. It was just kind of moving slowly. I, I wish I had more to that experience, but I mean, just seeing it enough was pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was there any other weirdness associated with that? Like, you, you know, no missing time or anything like that? No, no missing time. Um that I think about it now. <laughs> uh, maybe there wasn't. I just don't remember. But uh, well, as far it seem, didn't seem so at the time. In other words, it didn't seem so. No, yeah. no. Um, yeah, it did not. Yeah, and you know, no strange entities or anything like that after that either. So it's interesting that you were praying. You know, if one considers, you know, prayer a form of meditation, which I, I think would qualify. Oh, I totally agree. That you know, so many people have said you could meditate you know and and call ufos in for, for lack of a better word or something so it's very interesting it was associated with you know prayer and, and something that you would do nightly you said right yeah yeah every night i would um go up on the roof and pray and you know now that i think about it i probably should have been observing more wells up there you know maybe i probably would have seen some other things mm-hmm. um, but uh shortly shortly after that um i ended up you know, leaving uh, the monastic lifestyle, kind of switched gears, went more towards like a Catholic kind of, I guess more like, so currently these days I'm kind of like going towards a contemplative prayer slash meditation Mm -hmm. kind of lifestyle. And, you know, I'm kind of embracing 
really all religions at these days. So I just think it kind of all ties together, but that's just me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I left the church and, you know, chose uh, to go a different route and uh, met my wife and we got married and we had some kids and my daughter started experiencing some which symptoms, which was really strange. So we uh, were living in a multi-dwelling unit with probably 60 other units attached. So it was a pretty big place. And my daughter would wake up in the middle of the night. She was probably four years old, I think. And she would say, bad lady, fall down, bad lady, fall down. And, you know, I get up with her and, you know, like talk to her about it and ask her what she saw. And, you know, just really trying to be inquisitive about her experience and trying to understand it. And I couldn't get any more information out of it. Bad lady falling down. I didn't know what that meant. So a couple nights later, she said, you know, she was able, she, my daughter could talk at such a young age. It was just really bizarre. We could have normal conversations with her at such a young age. Mm -hmm. So to explain that a little better, but so we were talking with her and, you know, she said she heard a cackle. So I thought that was really strange. I was like, well, and I don't know if she said cackle. I think she said laugh. And then I asked if it was a cackle and explained it to her. Mm-hmm. And um, she said that was it. And I said, oh, was it like a witch? She said, well, yeah, it was a lady wearing, you know, black clothing that looked like a witch. I was like, wow, that's really bizarre. Was she big or tall? And she couldn't really give me a size. But she did say that she went through her room and had laughed and went out the other side of the room, almost like through one wall and out the other wall. So I thought that was really bizarre. Yeah. Uh, As you know, she kept having these experiences. So she'd either say it was a witch or a bad lady falls down. Well, we never figured out what bad lady falls down was, but talking to my daughter these days, it sounded like she may have saw someone who maybe a ghost or something like that, who may have died. We actually, um, we were living in a building that was a historic building that at one point in time was used to make some products for a lot of different places. So it was, it was an industrial building in the 1800s. And I don't want to give you too many details, just mm-hmm. not revealing where I live or anything, but right. basically it was a very popular place in the 1800s and a lot of people had worked there and it was a three or four uh, floor building. So, it is possible someone may have died there. I tried to look into the history, but fortunately there wasn't very much history on the place um, other than, you know, what they did. So I'm not really sure. I can't really say that, but we did find out that there was a practicing uh, witch in our building and uh, she's a very nice lady. And I had talked with her um, about if she was practicing any rituals and I couldn't really get any details, but from the book she was reading, it looked like she may have been doing some rituals. So I'm wondering if maybe my daughter may have inadvertently seen something happen that way. I don't really know. But yeah, that's interesting. Did it is? Yeah, it's very bizarre. At the point she was having these experiences, had you told her about you know your story from when you were a kid? No, I had not. So I literally probably just told her um, the story about when I was a kid, probably maybe about six months ago. I didn't want to terrify her. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I mean, as a parent, you know, I would 
you know, had you told me separately, yeah, I told my four year old this story, I probably would have said, eh, you know, maybe don't. Yeah, but, right. but I, you know, I just wanted to check because I'm sure, you know, it's a curiosity. Like, it, you yeah, know. yeah, she's she's eight now, so she's right. um, right. and she's she's very much philosophical, theological. We just talk all the time about um, many different things, so she's very interested in that kind of stuff. So I did tell her about it, but not at the time. So it's very much it could be related to that too. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, very, very interesting. Yeah, yeah. So um, we had those experiences, and then we ended up um, moving from there, and now we're in our um, house that we want to be in for for many more years. Um, we're very happy here, and I've had you know a couple bizarre dreams um, here, but you know, not really much activity. I did have so this was interesting. Uh, I was, I've been practicing meditation a lot these days. And one night, uh, I try to do late night meditation, um, just for, you know, it's got some benefits with lucid dreaming and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, I did some late night meditation, uh, went to sleep and inadvertently somehow I must've astral projected, which this was probably the second or third time I've experienced this. This time was probably the most memorable or most realistic Um, I remember as I left my body, there was almost like a, and I've heard other people talk about this, but it was almost like a portal opened up above me as, you know, like I'm experiencing this astral projection kind of thing. It was like a, a, a portal opened up above me and there was an entity that came out that looked just like, I kid you not, like some kind of a jellyfish. And yeah, it was translucent floating around and all of a sudden, I've never had this happen in any of my dreams. I've never been able to hear anything in my dreams. All of a sudden, I like it's, it's like someone turned on um, Dolby surround sound. And I hear what sounds like crystal music. And that's the only way I can explain it. It sounds like crystal. But like, if you can imagine what music would sound like if you were in like a, a cave with like all the stalactites and stalagmites and dripping and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's the only, that's the closest I can get to explaining this kind of sound. But it sounded like people like in a, in a cave or something with dripping and like people putting their finger on glass to make that high pitched ringing noise. Mm-hmm. It was very similar to that, and it was actual music. So it was really bizarre. So I'm kind of like two feet above my body with like this weird jellyfish thing, and then there's like this portal, and I'm like, all right, I'm terrified. Like, but I've been, you know, reading about this, so maybe I'll try to like experience it. So I tried to push myself through the portal, and um, I instantly woke up, I think probably because I was too afraid or something like that. But the, the the really cool thing about it was the entity. Like, I just remember seeing, like, this – it was it was almost like a jellyfish, like, squid just floating around the room, just, like, doing its own thing. Like, it was almost, like, automated or, like, it's just an animal that was – either had no idea I was present or just didn't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just very cool. Yeah, the, the people that have described similar things often note that they're they're very kind of beautiful looking. These jellyfish. Yeah, things. yeah, yeah. It was. It was. It was very like it was you know very translucent. Had all kinds of different colors. It was just very cool to look at. Yeah, that's really interesting. You didn't get any sort of negative feeling from that. No, not at all. It would just no, seem I to was, be there. 
Yeah, I would love to do it again, but I mean, I've just not been able to. It's always hard trying to do that because I I like to sleep more than (laughs) every time I try to like get into that state of, you know, like sleep paralysis or whatever, I just go to sleep. Right. But uh, did you want me to go over any of the weird dreams that I've had or anything like that? Or yeah, we got yeah we got a, a few minutes. I've only got one really good one as of late. But um, so this was an interesting one. So from so I have a um, pretty technical job, and I had been doing a lot of work, like um, Carl Jung, um, reading a lot of his books and things like that about the subconscious, and like trying to figure out you know like uh, dream analysis, all that kind of stuff, and. I remember uh, one of my dreams was really cool. So I wrote it down here. I'll try not to read it verbatim. But basically, I remember meeting an old friend of mine. And he was somehow he was either in a basement um, of either a daycare or some kind of a school or a business. And there was some lady there who was, I didn't have a description uh, for what she did or what her name was, but she was basically running around um, the place trying to show me and introduce me to all the people. So in this basement, all these people were getting together and they were, this is the weirdest thing. So these are all my friends, you know, um, or acquaintances that are adults, but they're all, you know, like coloring um, and, you know, doing like kid things. So I thought that was really bizarre. And I asked them what they were doing and they said they were being paid to, color datagrams and i was like well what the heck is that and i remember seeing this picture and it was a really elaborate like drawing of like a schematic and uh and they were coloring it and it was really technical and like i know these people and i know they probably not be able to do this unless you know they went to school for it it was really nuts so i asked them again i was like you you guys are getting paid to do this paid to color and yeah, they're like, yeah, absolutely. So I was like, man, that is so weird. So later on, I'm like, this whole week, I didn't even realize it. I'm struggling to work on this project, like to get it finished. Like it, basically, like I had a deadline for this project to get it done. I'm, I'm struggling. I couldn't figure it out at all, trying to um, get it done. So I thought about this dream. So the next day, I look up datagrams and realize that it was totally related to what I was working on. So either I inadvertently somehow like read it, this information and it just went to my subconscious or not. I'm not really sure. But it basically what it means is there are these packets that provide a quick, reliable service. It's basically like a form of communication that can just get blasted at you like a fire hose like it's it's there immediately so i needed this for the project and i had no idea anything about it uh, but my dream so, so did it essentially helped you with the project yeah it, it did it did it totally helped me with my project so i was able to get my project finished using this protocol it was nuts wow uh, that's yeah neat. that is really neat yeah it was really cool so i mean it, it was cool because i mean it all related to like some Carl Jung stuff that I was looking into trying to get like my subconscious to like bring out something mm-hmm. to me, you know, in this world. So I don't know how it all relates with what we're talking about, but I just thought it was pretty cool. No, that's really, really cool. There's, you, you know, there's been stories over time and of course I'm blanking on them now, but you know, some very famous people who were faced with uh, one problem or another and, and dream the solution. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard about it. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's really, really neat. Since you brought up sleep paralysis briefly, yeah. um, you know, and I ask everybody, was sleep paralysis 
involved in any of these experiences, whether when you were young or, or later on? Um, I've had sleep paralysis a couple times, and honestly, the only, and I've I've heard you talk about this before, actually, and I thought this was pretty interesting. The only so sleep paralysis for me terrifies me, mm-hmm. um, and the only way I've ever been able to get out of it is by using you know, the power of Christ, you know, some way or some form. And I, I thought I heard you talk in a podcast about people of other religions using their um, yes. religious strength mm-hmm. to get out of it. So it's got to be, you know, like maybe what you're saying, like it's some kind of a uh, a belief, you know, like that you're 100% you believe that this is going to work. Or maybe it's, you know, like like I said, I, I'm, I'm not really of the, I, I'm more of the Catholic, I guess, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not really sure where I am these days, but okay. I still I, I still I still hold on to you know my early beliefs as a Christian, which you know with for me it's in these situations I know Jesus Christ will always kind of pull me through something like that. Mm-hmm. So um, for me, that's what I've used to get out of paralysis, and it's always worked. You know, surprisingly, I, um, I the time it started happening to me and, and I, I like you i don't like it i'm not th- there's nothing about it that uh, is appealing to me mm-hmm. um i got out of it by saying the hail mary and oh that's wild woke up uh saying it basically face down into my pillows uh, saying it out loud that's how i woke up wow, wow. Uh, so I, I wonder what that means you know like is it is it the power of belief or yeah you know, I, I think i mean it's quite possibly that that could be just the basics of it you know if we're assigning some sort of intelligence to the other you know as i call it this whatever these these other things are i'm wondering if they're just not allowed to confirm one belief for another you know interesting yeah so so like that's not their purpose their purpose is not but they have to re you know in some way respond to belief in general so in other words without getting you know new agey and saying you know you know all religions are valid or whatever and right. without saying like one religion is right and others are wrong. I mean, you know, right. I, that's just the way I kind of think about it now. Like, like maybe whatever it is, it's it's just not allowed to confirm or deny. It doesn't have that authority and any belief. But, you know, again, what do I know? I'm right there with you, though. I believe the same thing. That's very interesting. Yeah. And it always works. That's the funny part. You know, I mean, I've had one person say it didn't work for him, but he's really a non-believer. So, oh, okay. So, so what do you do? You know, yeah. how, how does that factor in? If you don't believe and and you're you're praying, then are you really praying? You know. Yeah, it's terrifying. Oh, yeah, man. yeah, exactly. Sure. All right, Josh. Thank you so much for sharing your stories. Very, very interesting. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks so much, Tim. I really appreciate it. It was a pleasure. So I want to thank Adam P. for an incredibly generous PayPal donation he made. Thank you so much. I want to thank everybody that's been buying original art. I've had a heck of a run here where people have been buying original art. I've been putting the original art for my first book, Beyond the Seventh Gate, up on Etsy, where you can buy a copy of the artwork and you get a copy of the book signed. So you get the original art and the book it appeared in. And I think I'm down to just two drawings. Oh, wow that were in the book. I'm going to put those up. Uh, they'll probably be up by the time this episode is up. However, 
If you have my other books and you like any of the art in the other books, I'm going to gradually put that art up as well. But if you want anything now before it goes up on Etsy, contact me and I can get you a price for that. Same deal. I'll sign the book and, and sign the artwork and you can get the original art in the book. Most of the art from Bigfoot in Pennsylvania, Bigfoot West Coast Wildmen, and Don't Look Behind You is still available, I believe, at this point. All of the art from Where the Footprints End, which has yet to be published. Photo of the Week. I said last week I didn't think we had any witches. Oh, we've got witches. Yeah, we've got witches. <laughs> <laughs> so I found this awesome, probably Halloween costume photo. Yeah, I don't really think that was her graduation photo. <laughs> <laughs> it could be daily, her daily wear. Yeah, very pretty witch. Kind of a, a dual-tone witch's outfit with a holding a broom and the, the peaked hat. You said you can see the silver gelatin coming up in the photo. You said mm -hmm. it looks like an unmounted photo. Mm -hmm. So if you had to guess year, what year it's from. Mm, I'm thinking maybe 20s, 30s. Like, just look at the wallpaper in the background. Mm -hmm. There's still some leftover Victorian stuff. So I'm, I'm thinking 20s, 30s. So a lot of people collect these Halloween costume photos. They're, they're very collectible. Not super easy to come by anymore. Very cool photo of a witch in front of a isn't she in front of a piano yeah piano with photos stacked behind it yeah 35 dollars. you can go to our show notes for this episode you can see the photo you can click on it it should take you right to our etsy store where you can purchase the photo again awesome way to support the show and get a cool photo start a collection start a collection it really helps us out and uh, we enjoy sharing the fun of old photos because it's certainly something We've collected for a long time. It's something we, we love to do. So thanks for everybody. I think the photos of the week have been lately. There's still a few left. If you go to our Etsy shop, I have a section labeled photo of the week. You can see what's still available. There's a few that haven't sold, but lately here, they've, they've all sold been selling. Pretty yeah. quickly. Yeah. So keep an eye on that. If, if you're interested in these, make sure to get them quickly because they, they do tend to go rather quickly. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope everybody's doing okay. Like I said, as long as the sequester is going, we're going to try to do extra content. We'll at least make sure to get the Thursday shows out, if at all possible, but we're going to try to do extra content as well. We got a lot of nice comments. People said it really helps get their mind off things, and that was our goal. Let's try to spend our time doing positive doing things. Positive and creative things, and we're glad we can help you guys. So thanks for listening, and we will be back soon with another episode of Strange Familiars. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, music, books, art, podcasts, and more, darkhollerarts.com. Intro and background music is by Stonebreath. Go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com for more. We are on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars, where you can also join the Strange Familiars Gathering Group, and we are on Instagram, at strangefamiliars.
phantom to my heart To prove that it is there I hold my hand at midnight But in daylight never dare inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.